Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Scribes of Summer, a new Dodgers podcast from The Athletic. I'm Pedro Mora, and over there is... Oh, it's uh, me, uh, Andy uh, McCullough. Hey, Pedro. Hi, Andy. How's it going, man? It is going great. I'm excited to do this with better audio quality this time than the last time. Yeah, we uh, we used to do a podcast. Uh, it was uh, critically acclaimed, but... Um, but uh, it, it was like, I mean, would you say it was like the Velvet Underground of podcasts or would you not say that? I would not say that. I would say okay. I would charitably describe it as having had triple digit listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I, don't, I thought it was quadruple digit. On occasion, listeners. we reached some quadruple digits. <laughs> that's true. I think our, yes. our highest one was the, the one I did not appear on. So that's, that's a good thing. Right. That makes, well, we did have, you know, action Dan Heron on that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we upset at least one Seattle Mariners uh, executive with our podcast. So uh, maybe we'll do it again this time. Maybe we won't. But we're mostly just going to be focused on the Dodgers on this podcast because you cover the Dodgers very well for the Athletic, and uh, I uh, used to cover the Dodgers, and I live uh, in Echo Park, so I go to Dodger Stadium a lot. That's the only reason, yeah, more or less. Uh, I'm excited about this, but let's before we get into it, let's uh, remind people to. Uh, rate our podcast on wherever you do that and uh, subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, you can listen to the podcast now everywhere, not just in our app. But, uh, and if you aren't already an Athletic subscriber, you can get 40% off an annual subscription at theathletic.com slash dodgerpod. That sounds like a deal. In fact, that sounds like a steal. And thing, speaking of things that uh, might have been stolen, how are the Dodgers handling the fallout of the 2017 World Series this spring, Pedro? Andy, your transitions are so good, man. Thanks, man. Um, the Do- I was really interested in how the Dodgers <laughs> responded to yeah. to to uh, the Astros scandal. Yeah. Uh, I was I was just um, I thought it was really compelling. I did not expect there to be as much of a like a prepared statement almost. These guys have a group chat, and all off season they 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 texted out like rhetoric yeah. examples to each other of what they would yeah. say. And when they got to spring training, when we got there, when the clubhouse opened to reporters, they were ready to go. They were gassed up and ready to to, to actually fire off. Um, yeah. Criticisms in in fairly reasoned ways, and it made for you know for us it was great. You know, you showed up and Justin Turner was was ready. It was you know it was uh, there was a lot going on. It was it was interesting, and it's yeah. not done yet. You know, it's slowed right. since the first week or so. Right. But the first seven days were the most fast paced days of spring training I've ever covered. I don't know about you. You did cover the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, it was it was certainly uh, it, it was interesting the level as you said the level of preparedness because so often like guys just don't. They don't, it's not that they don't care. It's just that they don't care to discuss it publicly. They don't care to discuss how they feel about things with um, the press. And it was really interesting to see the, yeah, like the level of coordination, but just the amount of thought and preparation that gone it, they'd gone into. And I think um, it was a very, uh, it was, it caught me off. It caught me off guard. Like genuinely, I expected kind of a lot of generic, boring stuff. And I think if, you know, we talked to guys over the winter at various times and um, you know, they were kind of, well, we'll see what the report says. And well, you know, it's interesting. And yeah, we kind of knew there was some weird stuff going on. And once like the report came out and it was kind of in black and white, you know, what the Astros were alleged to have done based on the commissioner's investigation. And then I think the sort of ham handedness of how the Astros handled apologizing that really like catalyzed 
um, a lot of you know angry rhetoric. And and the Dodgers, you know, you could maybe argue the three teams that have the biggest grievances would be the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the um, you know, the A's. And and the Dodgers probably have the most obvious one is that they were the best team in baseball, or the other best team in baseball, the year the Astros won the World Series. And so it's something that um, you know they have a pretty you know, reasonable gripe that, that it was, you know, taken from them unfairly. You're right about, I mean, I, I this is going to be rare. I hope new listeners understand this is going to be rare, but I totally agree with everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, it, it's true. And uh, it's true. I will also give you a little bit of credit. I think you had, when did you, when did you do that story on Alex Wood and his response to it? What was that? December? Yeah. Like January? mid, mid December. Yeah. Before Christmas. I thought that was really. I guess I didn't see it at the time, but it was. Only, mm-hmm. It was a. It was a foreboding of what was to come, right? Like how, how yeah. seriously these guys were taking it. That was the first yeah. real Dodger response we saw. And he, I mean, he yeah. wasn't even with the Dodgers at the time, was he? No, no, he, he was a free agent. He he even said something too to the effect of like you know something to the effect of like um, you know uh, imagine like something like he was kind of he took a lot of pride in that outing. You know, they won Game Four. You know, he was on the road, and he said like you know that's one of the it was like one of the coolest things in my life. You know, staring down that lineup, and you know, especially like considering they were cheating. And then he was like, haha, put in that I'm joking, and I was like, okay, but like <laughs> that changed. You know, like a month later when the report came out, it's like no one was like, haha, put in that I'm make sure that, that I'm joking. It's like these guys are cheaters and were very upset about that. <laughs> but it was it was something that, you know, that had been, I think, on the minds of a lot of guys and, and a lot of folks in the organization, um, you know, that that hadn't gone away. I think, you know, o- over the years, it's something that if you talk to, you know, various Dodgers officials, you know, in 2018 and 2019, you hear them kind of griping about this sort of stuff. And so to see it all burst out was, you know, probably a, a cathartic in a way that, um, you know, it doesn't really doesn't really solve the wounds from 2017. But at the very least, it, you know, kind of they have they they understand uh, a little bit more of what they were going up against. Well, let me ask you this, Andy. How, let's say how many pers- how many stories the, the, like from opening day on, opening day until mm-hmm. the end of this uh, until Game Seven of the World Series, Dodgers Astros, mm-hmm. two thousand twenty. Mm-hmm. What percentage of the stories you write do you think will have to do with the scandal? Do you think this is going to be an ongoing thing? During the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to change in shape. And I think, you know, we still need to see what the what the Red Sox report says whenever that comes out. But I think how the Astros handle, you know, just like like the in the, the second series of the year, they're going to Oakland, right? Like I'm going to be there up in Oakland for that series. And that's going to be, you know, a really interesting environment. One, how fans treat them. That's their first road series, but also just how they handle it. You've got a lot of prideful, um, you know, really talented players who are going to be dealing with a sort of, uh, you know, an environment that, that just, they're just not familiar with. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know what the percentage is like since, you know, Ken and, and Evan broke the story. I don't know what the exact percentage is of how many stories I've done have related to this. It's probably 50%, you know, and I'm not even like the guy breaking the story. You know, I'm just like going after, you know, the ancillary pieces talking to Alex Wood or talking to players about various things, you know, like the, the fallout of it. And so I think, I think it's going to continue for a long time. It will change. I think it's going to be focused more on how the Astros handle stuff, but there's, you know, I'm working on stories down here, you know, in Phoenix this week that are related to it, just not specifically about, you know, 2017. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's something like, are they in your sense of like after the first week or so, did the Dodgers kind of get sick of talking? 
talking about it? Have they are they in the like okay, we're talking about 2020 now mode? It's a good question. I think some some of the players definitely, especially yeah. the, the stars, the ones who, who were asked the same question in sort of like four scrums over the over a six yeah. day period or something like that. They they are clearly sick of it. I think some of the guys still haven't necessarily been asked. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if we still see some more of that leak out, dribble out over the course of the coming weeks. Yeah, I, I expect to, to write more. I mean, the, I definitely noticed some fan fatigue too, and so yeah. we uh, as journalists have to keep up with that and follow that, and maybe not overplay it. But it's just, it's just endlessly. I mean, there's there's still more to be told about it, obviously, and the yeah. Red Sox thing will will play a role too. So it's not something I expect to, to be fully over. I mean, of course, the big you know one thing that I thought about writing about and probably will at some point is whether it's you know acceptable to these guys to throw at any any of the Astros ever at yeah. any point right and so once games start once regular season games start i think we're going to start to see you know, i'm <laughs> curious personally about who you know who 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 thinks what basically who thinks it's yeah. okay and who doesn't yeah yeah that will be interesting do you, do you think um i'm curious if you feel like you know cuz obviously the 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 conversation about the Dodgers was pretty negative throughout the winter um, based on just one, how the season ended last October. And then also the general lack of uh, activity up until the Mookie Betts trade. Do do you feel like the combination of this trade and kind of this emerge of the scandal has allowed them to sort of um, maybe like get, make it pretty clear that it's going to be tough to like deal with a hangover effect from last year? Yes. Yes. Andrew Friedman and Justin Turner, I noticed that the same day he spoke out against Rob Manfred, I believe, he, he made a big point of saying, we didn't make the Mookie Betts trade to move past the Astros scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, because fans, there were, there was some talk of that, I saw. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it is just, it's just... Wait, the, 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 like, the, the, people, saw, like, people said that. Yeah, there's... There, Andy, I don't know if you know this, the internet, wild takes on there, man. Wait, people said that the, the Dodgers were upset about the scandal so in order to move past that they traded for Mookie Betts I saw I saw a number of of messages with to that effect absolutely that rocks I like that take I should have written that that's a good (laughs) that's a good that's like a yeah that's true that's like a great galaxy brain take I like that yeah so it's just convenient, right? It was just really convenient yeah. for them. Andrew Friedman would have made this trade in December, but the talks of the, the Red Sox, because of the GM change, didn't really begin in earnest until after the, um, after the winter right. meetings. I think it was like right. December 16th. They started talking right. about the Mookie Betts trade. And so Bloom was working through all sorts of things over there. And then it, you know February arrives, and they still haven't made a trade. It, he, Andrew would have been happy to have done, done that trade a long time before, although he probably mm-hmm. ended up giving up less by waiting. So, but yes, to, to, your, to your earlier question, I think it sort of forces them to not be hungover. It's like, it's like, right. let's say they have a big interview scheduled in the, in, at 8am. Like you can't really feel that hungover. You can't let yourself languish in bed. You know, if we want oh, to take buddy, it. I mean, you can, you can try, you can try, you can try. Yeah. And, and <laughs> we all have, you know, yeah. but in, in 2018, I think we argued about this all the time during like every we day for competing outlets at the time. And we, we, yeah. we, I can't, we probably debated this at least a dozen times about whether or not they were, in, like in the middle of a hangover if they were experiencing a yeah. hangover. And I thought at the time that they weren't and you thought that they were. And I think in retrospect, you were clearly closer to being right. You know, I think that <laughs> some of it was just r- randomness. I still don't think yeah. that team was nearly as bad as they played in the first three months. They had a lot of talent. They had an obvious amount of talent. But yeah, yeah. there's no other explanation for how you know, they let it get to 163 against the Colorado Rockies, right? I mean, it's just, what, that's, that's <laughs> well, all you really need to tell me to tell me. The Rockies wrong. did get, the Rockies did get like, 
like really 99th percentile seasons yeah. from Freeland and Marquez and mm-hmm. Arenado and Blackman were really good. But yeah, I mean, they were obviously a much better club than them. But like, I think they didn't they go like one and five against the Marlins and like the Reds might have gone like oh and, and six against, against, the against the Reds. Yeah, they just did like just like My dumb shit stat. like that. My just like, just really stupid. Was Homer Bailey, I think, went. Right. Didn't he, wasn't he? He, <laughs> he didn't like beat anyone else in or something. Yeah, no, he, yeah. I believe he was one. He had, oh. in, the, in the games that he pitched for the Reds, they were they were one in twenty, something that I right. liked. And the one win was, of course, against the Dodgers. Right. I thought it was he had two wins and both were against the Dodgers. But yeah, yes, it was right. something. If I hope. I hope so. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Homer Bailey's good again, by the way. Um, yeah, have you ever seen it funny that the best uh, the best veteran in that trade, the, the Reds Dodgers <laughs> trade, was the one that both was both teams wanted to give up immediately. What <laughs> a silly team. what a silly sport! Have you ever seen Homer Bailey in the same room with Christian Bale? Uh, he he really does look like he him. looks so much like Christian Bale. Yeah, um, I think yeah the hangover stuff like it's uh, it's interesting because there was I think there was a lot of folks you know in the organization. Um, who who were concerned? I mean, just like how is the how's the team going to respond? You know, some guys weren't like Andrew Friedman was not one of those people. He I brought that concern to him at one point, and he just like like aggressively shot it down. Um, but I think it's a you know if you'd seen the club in 2018, how they handled kind of dealing with the the heartbreak of that. You know, this was a you know a sort of seismic shock in a, in a different sort of way last October and. Um, I think the bets trade, you know, makes it pretty easy to, to move past that because you're just, you know, they're just fired up about having the second best player in baseball and also David Price on their team now. But like, it seems pretty clear, like after that first week or so, like the, the club's very aware of how good it is. Um, they're very aware of what's in front of them and they seem very, very focused. I mean, like they're, they're my pick to win the world series. Uh, I know that's not a super, you know, crazy pick because they're the best team and they, they're going to win their division and they're the most likely team to win their division. But, um, yeah, I mean, they seem they seem really well set up. I'm curious. So, like, if you had to say what is the weakness of this club, like, what 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 stands out to you about what you might be concerned about? I mean, this is probably my answer for, for 10, 15 teams in baseball if I knew enough to, to comment. It's the bullpen. But at the same time, there's totally enough there that you it could be really good. I've almost given up in the last few years on even trying to evaluate bullpens at this time of year because there's a limited amount of value in, in our understanding of them. I yeah. mean, it's just how can you predict what Kenley Chance is going to do this year? How can you predict what Blake Trine is going to be this year? You know, right. Blake Trine could put up a 1-5 ERA this year or he could put up a 4-5. Right. And I would, right. I would be not surprised at all with either. Right. So... I just don't know. You know, they have a lot of talent there, obviously, especially with Gratterall, Bruce Dar Gratterall, the new 21-year-old who throws real hard and real easy. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. He's an impressive, he's an impressive arm. Yeah. The Bruiser's got that easy, easy cheese. Yeah, as Mike Sosha would say, he's got that easy gas. He's got easy gas. He's got the sort of gas that is easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a lot of talent there. It's just a matter of does it work? You know, I just don't know. I have no idea. I, you know, they could be, they could easily have the best bullpen in baseball this year. They could easily have the 18th best. And if they have the 18th best, Andrew Friedman will probably go out and trade for somebody, um, right. you know, in, on July 27th. And the thing, you know, as much as fans complained last year about the bullpen, I believe, I, I don't know, I forget the exact specifics now, but I wrote it towards the end of the season. The Dodgers finished, I believe, with the best bullpen in the NL last year. Their bullpen um, was good last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had the, good in well, they, they didn't have roles. That was the problem. Is they didn't they didn't have they didn't know who to use when. But they had a lot of talent, you know, kicking around in the bullpen. They just didn't know how to use it. And that's something that, um, you know, 
you should you should be able to do when you have a 106 win team but it was kind of a complicated situation and i don't know do, do you think fans want to talk about uh the 2019 playoffs or do they want to look ahead to 2020 i bet you they want to look ahead to 2020 Pedro. <laughs> yeah i don't think there's much of an appetite for the uh for really do you think five. is there so like how about the like is there any way this isn't the best lineup in the national league like what's the how how many things would have to go wrong for the lineup to be a, a problem or I mean, a concern, they would need, in the say. outfield, for example, they have they have <laughs> six or seven outfielders who would put up a, a league average OPS. It is yeah. ridiculous. I mean, they yeah. got they had to trade one of them, Kyle Garlic, who was totally fine last year. They have Edward <laughs> right. Rios, who had a op- one thousand OPS oh and fifty plate appearances. They had Matt Beatty, who puts a lot of yeah. the They got they got so many guys. They just do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of the twenty. This is a little. This is a little different, uh, obviously, but it's sort of like with the twenty nineteen Royals. Everyone complained that Alex Rios wasn't playing well, and it's kind of like if Alex Rios is your worst everyday player, you're probably in a good spot. And it's like if AJ Pollock is the guy you're upset about, like that's you know you're in a very good place because he's a good baseball player, even if you know. The postseason performance last year. Yeah, like, you know, he wasn't good in the postseason. We all saw that. But, like, he's a good player. (laughs) Like, he's a very useful player. What year were those Royals that you were talking about? The 15 Royals. That was a good club, man. We don't need to litigate this. No, I just, uh, I was just giving (laughs) you an opportunity. You said 19. Um, I said 2019? Yeah, man. Dude, I'm pretty locked. I'm pretty locked in on 2020, man. I'm vibing. What do you think is the, uh, what do you think is the Dodgers' weakest link? I, I, I think, I mean, I think it's almost, I think the, I think, I mean, the weakest link is a real, like this, I would be more concerned about the starting pitching. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of talent, in the, but this is like, I mean, there's, they, what do they have? The best, the second best rotation in the national league? Like, so yeah, what they have in the yeah. rotation is the same thing they have in the, in the, uh, in the outfield and really in the yeah. field too, is yeah. they have a ton of big leaguers. They have so yes. many big leaguers. They have, yeah. they have, te- you know, they have nine pitchers that a lot of teams would love to have in their rotation. Yeah. What they yeah. don't have is exactly right now, three people you'd be, you know, they don't necessarily right. have dominant playoff starters right now. Right. That's right. That's yeah. That's, that's the, yep. I think that's but, accurate. But like, you know, David Price, the last time he pitched in the playoffs, he was pretty good. Yeah, sure. Um, Dustin May's got really good stuff. I wouldn't be yeah. that surprised if he's making playoff starts this year. Um, yep. Walker Clayton Bueller. Kershaw's Clayton Kershaw, his playoff yeah. results are not nearly as bad as people might think they are. Uh, and Walker Bueller's had great results there. So it's not, yeah. it's, it's, it's not a, it's, it's the fact that it's, it, we're even discussing is the weakest link is a sign of how this is a 100 yeah. win ball club. Well, and you'd also, you really only would not feel great about it if you're playing the Washington Nationals. And, like, honestly, I don't think the Nationals are going to make the playoffs this year. So, yeah, like, but I thought that last year, too. So, Well, you know, most years you're right, though, if you make that bet. Yeah. Variance, man. Yeah, you know, there was, a, there was a oh. book called Moneyball, Pedro. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I read that once. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Um, I was on the topic of Kershaw. And, and Kenley Jansen, who we've talked about, you know, these guys, these are probably the two franchise cornerstones that, you know, uh, the, do you know, by the way, um, who's the, those are the two longest tenure daughters. Can you name the third? I think you can. The third, uh, what does tenure mean? In like the, drafted in the, or uh, when were they in brought the into the organization? In the organization, who is the third? Um, my, I mean, my initial guess is Justin Turner, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that. No, you, no, no. That's that's not a bad guess. He's probably in the top five or six. It's Pedro Baez. 
That's right. Yeah, that makes Pedro sense. Pedro Baez yeah. is about to turn 32. Oh my god! And is still in the same organization. Is never closed. I, I don't think that's happened very often in in this century, at least. It's a very rare. Age. Yeah, it's a very rare for a guy to make it all the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's going to be a free agent after this year. Yeah, and he hey. might actually, you know, he's he, you know, fans have come around on him, but he's been. Like if you look at his track record, you're like, and you compare him to other relievers in baseball. There are not that many guys who've consistently been fine. Yes, um, he was very good in 2018. I feel like he was fine last year. He's, he was fine. you know, yeah. pe- people have moved on. He's no longer the the bet noir of the you know of angry fans. No, but on the topic of the two guys who are um, been in this in this organization longer than he has. Oh yeah, they both went to driveline baseball. This offseason, uh, a big uh, data-driven facility in Kent near SeaTac Airport in the Pacific Northwest. Heard of it. Yeah. Lots of, you know, th- these guys over the last several years have increasingly dominated the baseball conversation. Mm-hmm. Your friend Jeff Passan wrote a book about them or kind of about them. I'd say acquaintance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> How soon will you get a text? Oh, he would, he would never, Passon doesn't even follow me on Twitter. I mean, like he, he's not going to listen to this. All right. Well, if Andy. someone is listening to this, you should tweet at Jeff Passon and tell him we were talking about him, but don't tell him what we said. That's how okay. you will prove you are true fans of the scribes of summer. That's how you'd I be bet you o- were going to get a text about this from him. OG, no. OG scribes of summer, people who love the podcast formerly known as sports writers blues. You should go on Twitter and ask Jeff Passan. Tell Jeff Passan that we talked about him, and we'll see if we hear it from him. And we'll talk about it next week. I'm looking forward to this. So, Clayton Kershaw, <laughs> Kenley Jansen. They both yeah. went to driveline baseball. Uh, they both have been um, experiencing the things that happen to pitchers in their 30s, which yeah. are velocity losses, struggles to maintain movement. They've both been, Kershaw especially, has still been really good at baseball. He yeah. had a 303 ERA last year. Um, has basically is no one competes harder than him. And as a starting pitcher, your compete is still highly important. He's, yes. he's still good. You know, every team in baseball would love to have him in, in their two or three spot in their rotation, at least Kenley Jansen, a little bit less. So was really not very effective at, at times the last mm-hmm. two seasons had a three, seven, one last year, three Oh one the year before has not really dominated. But if you look at the strikeout to walk, he's still pretty good. So it's, it's, um, you know, He's got 11.4 strikeouts and two walks, basically, last season and similar the year before. So he's still been pretty good. Anyway, the results haven't been that great, though, at least to their previous standards. Both guys went to drive line, quick in-and-out visits. Kenley's spoken a lot about what it did for him. Uh, he thinks he can recapture some of the movement on his cutter by going back to his, his old delivery, which he slowly lost after uh, the 2017 World Series because when he reported his spring training, hangover alert, he didn't really start throwing until March, and when he did, he hurt his hamstring, and then April came, and he was still hurt, and he really never totally recovered. Gave up 13 homers that year, which is not his, his self. So, what do you think this will do for them? I mean, I mean obviously, that's a really hard question for you to answer. Yeah, like what, it's what hard to of, know. What are you expecting, I guess? What do you think is a likely outcome for, for both of these guys tracking there and hearing what they have to say? I think, I mean, if Jansen can get a little bit of movement and a little more velocity and a little bit, you know, more of a, uh, more of a, you know, organic mix with the slider, I could see him being really good. You know, um, I think he's like, he's close. Like he has outings. He had outings last year. I mean, game three, I think of the, you know, the playoffs where it's like, whoa, 
Like, you know, Kenley had the good stuff tonight. And uh, I think it's not too far off. It's just a matter of maintaining it. It's a matter of, you know, maintaining the velocity, maintaining the cut. Um, and then also, you know, sharpening the slider. So it's a little, it's a little harder to, um, you know, it's a little harder to just know what's coming, I guess. Uh, as for Kershaw, I mean, I just don't know. I, I, the issue with him is not fastball velocity. It's, you know, if there is an issue and uh, if there is a, a difference between the pitcher he is, you know, five years ago as compared to the pitcher he is now, it's, it's less about the fastball velocity and more about the, just the differentiation between the fastball and the slider. The slider used to be, you know, just an absolute hammer that he could, you know, bury inside on right-handed hitters. He could get back foot on it and had a lot of break and a lot of movement and that pitch at at times you know less so last year um, in 2018 I mean it was scout said it was like effectively indistinguishable from the fastball and so um, you know I don't know I mean in your understanding like is is can drive can going to drive line for a day you know and, and doing some different drills to you know build up shoulder strength or you know, uh, however, you know, that stuff works, like, can that regenerate movement on a pitch? I mean, I, you know, maybe, yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, Trevor Bauer's had a lot of success in terms of like pitch shape and things like that. Um, but I don't think either of those guys necessarily needs a, a significant overhaul. I think it's, you know, from the Dodgers perspective, it's probably really encouraging to see that Kershaw is, you know, taking in outside voices. He's someone who's very, very, you know, guarded about doing, uh, you know, altering his routine. He has a lot of faith um, in, you know, the things that he's done to get to this point. And obviously it's, you know, he's been the, the best pitcher of his generation. So it seems, uh, it seems reasonable, but um, I think it's encouraging, you know, to see him step out of his comfort zone a little bit. I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how it's going to, if it's going to be able to allow him to just consistently, you know, all year long, just have the movement on the slider. It's, um, you know, that's kind of the, the thing that separates him from the pitcher he was, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, as you said, Andy, I think that probably the best sign of it all that we can say for sure is that it, it shows that both of these men are open to, to change. Yeah. And I think the Dodgers were pretty openly at times last year frustrated with, with Kenley Jansen and his um, his unwillingness to, to throw the slider and to stick with the cutter even though the cutter wasn't cutting. And, yeah. you know, he, he got beat by some mediocre hitters at the major league level last season in yeah. ways that were, were frustrating to, to their staff. And so... yeah. The hope for them is that he's going to understand. He he understands now, and it sounds like he does. That that he can't keep throwing the cutter if it if it behaves like it has. I think he saw right. basically what it looks like to hitters. Um, yes, more definitively, and was had it explained to him in a different way. It's not uh-huh. it's not that the Dodgers haven't tried telling him that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I think he from what it sounds like he heard a little bit more, and and maybe he can recapture that cutter. And yeah, with yeah. Clayton Kershaw, you know, I haven't covered him as long as you have, but my understanding has been that you know he is pretty insistent on his ways and they've worked wonderfully over the course of his career. You know, he's, he's one of the best pitchers to ever live. Um, he's a franchise cornerstone. He's going to go down in history as a Dodger icon, but he's about to turn 32 and, yeah. uh, and his sure. you like you said, the fastball velo isn't the most important thing, but the, uh, the differentiation between the fastball and the slider really is. Yeah. And so, if the slider isn't going to have a tight shape, then it would help if the fastball went a mile or two harder, at least, you know? And so you can maybe, yeah. you know, there's multiple ways to correct this, really, right? To, to, to fix what's been slowly starting to ail him over the last few years. You know, if he just adds a little bit more below, that could, I think that could actually improve some of the situations. Obviously, his location's still good. I still expect him to be good no matter whether any changes yeah. the driveline take or not. And of course, the white whale with him is always the changeup. If something like that, if he were able to develop something like that, that would, you know, 
change as you've written in the past with yeah. CC and pictures like that. Right. That could change, you know, his entire outlook for this decade. Yeah. Um, well, the hard thing is a scout, lot. Yeah. Ahead, well, I was just going to say, you know, with that, a lot of the guys who like CC, for example, like he learned, he added a cutter. He already had a change. It's just, I get it. I mean, pitchers say that the changeup is like something you either have a feel for or you don't. And Kershaw just, it's something he does not have a feel for. He thinks his hands are a little too small for it and stuff like that. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a weird one, you know? And, um, I think, I think if like the spring that he comes in and says, all right, I spent the winter working on my changeup. That's when it's like, Oh, this might, it, this might be his last season. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I have to say, I really love, uh, I don't know if this is happening as much in previous springs or I just notice it more, but, there's been so much of uh, like the tweet to a story has said he's someone spent the winter doing this. And it just, I, I just love that <laughs> phrasing for some, <laughs> because it reminds me of the wonder years every time it's endlessly amusing to me. Well, I think we, I think we spent the winter preparing for this podcast and we did a pretty good job in our first episode. Yeah, we did. We did. Should I, uh, let me, uh, let me add what I, what I was about to say quickly, just that a scout uh, texted me from Kershaw's first game saying that the slider looked quote, pretty good. Oh, oh Yeah. So read into that what you will. <laughs> that, so- that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Pretty good is pretty good. It's hard man. to argue with pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Dodgers fans, hopefully you'll get more uh, of this all season long. We're going to be doing this uh, once a week, and uh, it should be a good time. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good to talk with my Kyle Pedro again. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. It was fun. Yeah. So please like and subscribe and all that stuff and uh, read the athletic man. Good site. Good stories on there. Yeah. I want to shout out this. um, Someone tweeted to me a week or two ago and she said, uh, if you like sports, you should subscribe to the athletic. There's good stuff on there. And I was like, is this Andy's burner for a second? But no, it was just a person who said that. Dude, it's such a it's such a good advertising strategy. Like, no, you can't counter it. If you if you like sports, you're gonna like the site. And you know, there's good stuff on there. It's just it's it's a really good site. There's lots of good stories. Yep. Uh, theathletic.com slash dodgerpod for forty percent off. Thanks for listening.